So for our own welfare, the Buddha used this term Nibbana. as an aim. Don't know if the word was around before then, before he brought that word up. Uh, and it's uh, significant, it's a non word. It's a word that says the non. Like many of our uh, aims and trajectories, the aim is towards a non something. You know, realizing perhaps the, uh, the ultimate welfare is very difficult to really. The mind, if the mind holds it as an idea, uh, it can actually have a contrary effect called clinging. Uh, mind fixates, mind takes it as an object, thought, an idea. As we know, religions are generally plagued with these attachment to dogmas views, ideas, that they become sources of fixation, conflict, violence. So the safest, in many respects, is the non, the non-harming, the non-violence, the non- and primarily non-clinging. Whatever else the Buddha says the Deathless, another non-word, synonym for Nibbana. Uh, The mind's liberation from all clinging. This is deathless. So, perhaps uh, not so much what we want, but what we're trying to release ourselves from is perhaps the uh, safest uh, pointer for practice. The aspiration, it definitely is, something ineffable that is a, a consequence of this undoing, Nibbana, the unbinding, the non-clinging, the non-fixation, sometimes likened to uh, uh, the non-burning, mind is on fire, the non-burning, uh, sensuality is on fire, and on burning, cooling, release, the unrestricted, the unconstructed, the measureless. These kind of, perhaps these terms have a certain uh, aspirational beauty to them. And we begin to, practically we're often working at the place of uh, clinging because uh, uh, the Buddha is presenting the first noble truth as the five khanda that are affected by upadana, clinging. Mm. This is suffering. Uh, Saying for the untrained, ordinary person, this is not an action they do, it's something that creates them. It's not really a deliberate decision, it's a, it's a construction that they, they haven't seen through. Their mind has not seen through this construction. It's woven together, it's bound. Uh, and this uh, binding together is uh, 
in terms of these five aggregates uh, form, feeling, perception, volitional activities, activations, and uh, consciousness. And without going into a lot of uh, detail this time of day, this particular venue, this is interesting because the Buddha is the only one who taught this. Five aggregates don't appear anywhere else, uh, before the Buddha anyway. So this is a particular gift he's presenting. Not the way the world normally sees things at all. We do notice sights, sounds, touches, but we don't notice aggregates. What? The Buddha sees this. He sees it and he teaches it for a particular reason that this sticking together is what creates the sense of a separate identity marooned in a changing world of time and space. Clinging, holding on to their territory, holding on to their sense pleasures, holding on to their views and opinions, holding on to their embodiment as an identity to try to get some safety, security, orientation and, and a lot of stress involved in that doesn't work. As we all recognize, you know, bodies break up, sights and sounds are impermanent, consciousness, stuff coming and going, feelings rush through, perceptions and meanings, and activations are perhaps the most fixated experiences we have. Where you interpret experience, sanya, meaning, perception, where something strikes us, agreeable, friendly, hostile, threatening, necessary, urgent, wonderful. Yeah. Interpretations of ourselves as whatever, you know, misunderstood. Uh, generally, perception of oneself are not very attractive. Unless you've got some kind of narcissistic complex, meaning, and those things have a deep triggering effect. We get activated, agitated, trying to not be what we think we are, and interpreting other people through our perceptions of them. Generally inaccurate. Some grain of truth in it, but by and large it's a very sketchy caricature shifting all the time. Perceptions of the monastery, you know, to be a beautiful place, in many ways essentially beautiful. One could feel trapped in it, stuck in it, bored with it, isolated, not wanted, Burdened by it, continually annoyed by its own untidinesses and this, that, and the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perception. I know this stuff sticks in. Sticks in. And you're, you're activated by it. Sanya, Sankara. Yeah. And so one becomes that 
when life is steered by that and never getting to an end where things are settled except through non-clinging Buddha, the Buddha taught clinging in very, in quite a few ways, but to summarise it, sake of morning reflection, searching for solidity, finality in something that isn't. It's not a decision; it's a reflex. It's like a panic reflex. Searching for comfort and happiness in something that isn't really that going to be that way for long. It's a reflex because the chitta is confused and wants to feel solid, wants to feel happy. So it tries to cling, not recognizing the way you feel solid and happy is through non clinging. It's different. When there's nothing to knock you around, nothing to wind you up, nothing to crush you, nothing to fear. Nibbana. Nothing to get agitated about. This is a very unrestricted state because then phenomena arise, the mind doesn't grab, doesn't seize, doesn't fight. So we're going very simply to... uh, you know, give a kind of kind of practical uh, encouragement. It's this hovering, we might say, the quality aspect of sati mindfulness, the ability is to hover over feeling, perception, form, sense data, thought, hovering over it. Not fighting it, not grabbing it, not fondling it, hovering. So that that compulsiveness has to be has to be challenged. Uh, one of the aims of a session such as this is just have some things lined up, routines lined up. Not because they're the only one and only way, but just because we don't have to deal with it. Yeah, sometimes it's nice, sometimes it's not nice, and you hover over that quality. It's all right. Notice the feeling, the perception. Sometimes we treat you when you're stuck in a place, want to get out, want to get out. You know, we have perception of other people. Why is he always sneezing? You know, why can't you close the door quietly and hover? What does he think of me? Pause. You know, it's lifting. So making a commitment to lightness of being, making a commitment to unbinding to lightness of being, making a commitment to that, and the fruition of that commitment is Nibbāna, the lightness of being, spaciousness, non-fixation. So there's an unravelling to do. Rather like the, uh, the weave of a piece of cloth or a, say a wooden, eye, wooden garment, you try to find a thread that you can just 
pick out. If you pull that thread, weave, start one, do. Very, very tight, tightly woven, like a knot. You don't go for the tightest piece, you go, it's got a little bit of looseness in it. You start to pull on that to even get it free. You gently ease it and tease it and uh, see what it is. It can start to come loose and the fabric begins to unbind. Fabric is the five aggregates woven together. Form. Rupa. And again, just uh, try to keep it very weirdly being brief. So we're cultivating mindfulness of bodies, which we encourage to on these sessions. Most obvious form that we all experience is the apparent form of a body, our body, other people's bodies. We see them with our eyes. That's somebody's body. Actually, there's the rupa. Really. And you can be sure that whatever you're seeing with the eyes is not what that person's experiencing. What your direct experience of your body is not really, you know, skin colour, um, hair colour, whether you've got hair or not. <laughs> you know, it, it's something that's got elements, warmth, warm fire element, warmth and coolness, certain textured solidity to it, earth. Yeah. Mobility to it, air, something moving and pushing. Cohesiveness, something that sticks together, water. These are the elements, earth, fire, earth, air, water. <coughs> they sometimes put it in different ways, earth, the solidity of the body, warmth, caloricity, air, the mobility, the sense of breathing in and breathing out, something moving through you, body rhythmically shifting and changing with a breath. Each breath. No arms and legs on that. No teeth and hair and skin on that. There's no liver and phlegm and stuff like that on that. It's the direct experience is something that's not really a solid fixed form at all, but a, a subtly fluid, motley of textures and impressions. That's when you're directly experiencing it in itself, not thinking about it, you know, not retaining your visual map of it, but just as it is. That's, so that's something you can begin just to keep undoing, that sense of what our eyes present, something that seems relatively sharp boundaried, you know, how tall it is, fat it is, short it is, gender, so forth. Not what you, you, don't, you go to that, and it's a working model, you can do that. Most of ordinary life is about that. But it doesn't lead to Nibbana. If we all recognize that you know, that does lead to aging, sickness, and death. Separation from that which we see with our eyes, it's, that's where it goes. 
anxiety, um, sexuality, all based upon something that's purely uh, an indirect view. You get direct. And the one you can direct in a sense is, is this body you're in. You find out you have no, you're not really a body at all. There's embodiment, which is a cascade or flow of energies in sensations, perceptions, such as feels solid, feels warm, feels fluid, feels stuck. So just in that very experience, you can contact the experience of of form as something that's rather fluid. Um, Feeling something that's uh, quite, uh, isn't, is gentler. Get some stuck places, but it's no longer really dependent upon sense contact, but on the body's own metabolisms, energies, and so on. And that's something that you can have some say over. You can't say let it not be cold, let there be no insects, let there be no disease. You can't say that. You can't say, you know. Let, let the rain not make my body wet, but you can have some say over the embodiment so it becomes comfortable. And it's comfortable not through gripping it tightly, but through a certain lightness of attention whereby you apply attention in a spacious, but deliberate way. Whole body, standing, sitting, walking, reclining, is what? And with this experience, uh, you begin to recognize how the uh, perceptions uh, affected perceptions of feeling, um, you know, perception of meaning such as uh, uh, fear, no fear, trusted, welcome, or the opposite, lonely, nothing to do, dreary old day, yeah. missing my friends, memories, missing the good times. Dread, how long is this going to go on for? <laughs> uh, then you feel everything goes into sort of jangle or stuck in your body. You feel that the energy seize up. Passion heats everything up. You know, fear freezes and jangles everything. Dread crushes everything. Uh, perceptions and meanings have a, an effect. And you begin to acknowledge that. But here you've got a place where you can sense how that's affecting and then returning to what? Body and breathing. And breathing is actually a great healer and harmonizer for embodiment. 
This is why the Buddha favoured it. Get this base clean and clear. If you're light, if you're buoyant, if you're steady, then you're able to uh, have a way of discharging the perceptions and the activations that occur either because of present conditions or because of conditions from the past. And it's the stored up memories, attitudes, forcefulness, carelessness, various kinds of pains, emotional pains. You sense those happening and you begin to breathe through them. Deliberately, using that deliberate quality of mindfulness, deliberate lightness of being. Keep it open, get grim about it all. Because that quality of attention itself is sankara. It's a volitional activity. It's an aggregate in itself. And that volitional activity of how we meditate can also have has profound effects. If we meditate from a fixation, I've got to get this, I want to get that, I never this, I've got that, I've got these problems I need to sort out. Then you're applying a particular kind of volition that is not based on lightness, openness, release, but based upon fixation and habits and interpretations. You're coming afresh. So your volitional activity it's not an easy phrase, I'll admit. Sankara, the way you apply yourself, should be in line with the goal. Deliberate, steady, certain lightness of touch. So that things can move and release. It's releasing on any level is one what is uh, an example of just taking some of those threads out and loosening it. Yeah. I feel the desire but it doesn't really grip me. I feel the irritation but it doesn't really tighten into loosening and then eventually it doesn't happen. The uh, thread has been disengaged. So in this way we see Nibbana not just as a you know, maybe next lifetime or 50 years of practice, but something that's about now a little bit of Nibbana around that place where I'm getting stuck. A little bit of unbinding, cooling, like fever to prove or be or you know, or worry, loosening it. So these meanings, perceptions, interpretations and activities are in line. Going through a day, letting a day end. Or having a whole strategy. Getting the end of an out-breath and not preparing yourself for an in-breath, just letting it go. Emptying it. Walking meditation, feeling the movement of body embodiment as it flows along, what it takes for a body to walk. Walking meditation is highly recommended. Uh, 
It helps to gain, helps energy to be more harmonious, looser, it's dull, stagnant, stuck. And some movement helps. The feeling of the moving energy as you move along slowly, rhythmically. Pressure. The body foot comes down the ground, weight shifts, pressure. The other side lightens up, lightly. And you swing the light leg round slowly, place it on the ground, feel the weight come over with that leg, it goes into solid. The other leg becomes light. That light leg you lift it, swing it round. Gradually it becomes heavy as your weight comes down on it. This movement, something with the light becomes solid, something solid becomes light. Flowing along this nice rhythm. Then relaxing into the rhythm of walking. So it's not a march, it's not a daydream wandering along, mind drifting off, but deliberately placing there, walking, walking. Light, but steady. This is the particular uh, skill of the meditation. Deliberate, but light. Focus, but open. The frame of reference is not tight, so the energy can move. And as it does, it's like a kind of like the energy then begins to massage, if you like, or clean places where there's weak, uh, tired, stagnant, or overcharged, hyper states, buzzy heads, um, busy, busy around the eyes, tight in the throat, cramped in the shoulders. So you're referring these cramped places, you keep widening your attention from the cramp to the whole body, from the dull places to the whole body, so you're keeping that openness for that energy to flow through and do its work. We don't have to do it. The body would do it by itself if we keep that frame of reference. And then the mind, when it's when the the mind that can receive that quality of lightness begins to feel happy, at ease, but cool, not excited. And we learn, even if it's good, don't cling. Try to be committed to that lightness of being. This is the Brahmacharya. It's cool, it's open. It's non-sensual, not gripping onto a particular buzz that comes from sights or sounds or thoughts. They can come, they flutter through, that's the way they are, sense contacts like that, okay. wash through, and do what it does. We don't have to grip, get stimulated or resistant to it. Now, a lot of time when we come to these periods of practice, uh, you know, there's residue, there's old stuff, old memories, habits, uh, just the things we've been doing, even wholesome things. When you get a lot of stuff you've got to do, you're busy to do it. And so you can sit and you feel really sagging, you know, 
or you've got something, something annoying you, you keep going back to and trying to figure out, or something fascinating. Kind of building, we need to build there and fix that. You know, we need that concrete and building a window there. <laughs> you know, it's much more interesting than just sitting here. So often I find that meditation retreats at times I do my best building projects, redesign the monastery, and I find it stop. None of it ever happens. You know. Where you get a fantasy around food. It's great. And it's, it's kind of somewhat, you know, because Oscar Wilde said, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. You get it, oh, that was all, really. <laughs> you know, you had your fantastic cup of tea you were looking forward to all afternoon, and while you're drinking, you're thinking about something else. So, what? Mm-hmm. It's the moment where you get, <laughs> you get what you want, suddenly you don't want it anymore. So, the energy disappears, and it's just uh-huh. minds into something else. Do you see that? Because we don't get it, you think, if only I can, if only I can, if only I can, it's so good. <laughs> that's, that's the lure that keeps people running. That's the lure. Craving. Craving is always what you don't have. You can't crave what you have. As soon as you have it, you don't crave it anymore. The energy of that buzz dies out. Can you remember that? Notice that? Mm-hmm. Craving supports fixation. So we contemplate the fixations of the mind. Look also for that, the lure. If only I could get rid of that. If only I didn't have to have that. If only that thing worked, I'd be happy. If only somebody fixed that, I'd be fine. <laughs> if only he wasn't here, it'd be great. <laughs> if only he didn't do that, things would be fine. <laughs> then I'd be happy. That's the lure. If only I wasn't like this. Because of my mother. Because of this, because of that. If only it wasn't that, I'd be okay. Yeah. Craving to get rid of and clean. This idea of ourselves and the future. You know, you don't go into the psychology, just feel the effects, the heating up, the drive, the fixation. This is not nibbana. Not abiding. It's intense. Intense strategies, how to make everything work fine. Got a real plan of how to finally get that kitchen totally efficient and effective. Proper routine, everybody's really going to get there, click into shape, sort that out. Very attractive. Because it's not, you know, it's not evil. Clinging to systems and customs. Clinging to becoming in ongoing existence. And what's it like just to just 
Let it go. Not fighting it away, but just relax. And let that pass, wash up and pass away. Do it deliberately. Some some plans and strategies and themes are attractive, some are desperately unattractive. We fight with them. We get sunk by them. Same process. You never really get rid of it by trying to get rid of it. The more you don't want it, the bigger it gets. That's the law. The more you allow that thing to annoy you, the bigger it's going to get till it becomes the dominant theme. The more you don't want it, the bigger it gets. The more you want it, the less valuable it is. And it closes you down. And you lose the space. You lose the openness, you lose the flexibility. Learn this. And the remedy, so simple in a way. Breathing in, breathing out, walking up and down, keeping the frame of reference, energies flowing through, feeling the fixations. Relax by tuning to the non-fixed. Tune to the non-fixed, such as movement is fluid, breathing is fluid, even the flow of thought as a flow is fluid. Tuning to the non-fixed, the nichan, the relative, the moving, to just get the mind to be able to sustain awareness of changeability of phenomena, even the level of rupa. Form, um, feeling, mental formations, mental volitions, moving, and uh, learn deliberate. You know, you can also return by introducing deliberate perceptions, not habitual, compulsive ones, but ones that generate faith. Perception of friendship, perception of refuge, perception of safe, perception of Buddha, awakening, Dhamma, true order, true nature of ordering things. Things are in harmony if we could get the right picture. Perceptions of Sangha, community of aspirants. Not just the persons, but the fact there is a committed human endeavour and training and commitment. And there's human compassion, human kindness. Ask for support if you need it. It's fine, it's a joy to support. People who take delight in helping each other. Reflect on that. it's helping to let go of the aloneness or the burdenness or the stuck here isolation experience. These perceptions are skillful. They lead to the abiding of some of the most um, you know, chronic patterns, chronic perceptions. You're on your own, you've got to make it work, get on with it. 
business model. What would it be like to live in a field, in a domain, in an atmosphere of lightness, steadiness, deliberate, keep returning to it? This is kind of what communities, <laughs> this is what they represent, this is the wholesome aspect that they represent, wholesome aspect that we can tune into, and it leads to Nibbana. The unwholesome aspects you can tune into is, you know, she's untidy, he's late, da 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 da. You do that, you can lead to not nibbana, but misery. <laughs> you select. They can both have a certain truth, but what gives you freedom and is also not is also truthful. Not fantasies, but truthful. Tune to that. Truthful. Truthful of the openness and the beauty and the human in this context. The more we do that, the more perhaps we say it's my responsibility also to you know manifest that as best I can in my own conduct. So we're living the Brahmacharya, the conduct of those who don't fixate and stay open, stay steady. So in this way we can tune into their own embodiment and context and particularly witnessing the aware of as phenomena, as old habits and patterns rise up. Let them be that. Don't make a cling to them as a self. And skillful means, or your fixation, look for the non-fixed. Look for the non-fixation, the openness, the space, the fluidity, the breath flow, the walking. The non-fixation deals with the fixation. The self doesn't deal with it. The self is fixation. That's the humility of our lives and uh, our attunement to Dhamma. <laughs>